Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Way back in 1528, two unnamed, not yet Lutheran, but still Romanist pastors, wrote to Martin Luther to ask for his opinion on what to do about this new group of Christians called the Anabaptists, or the Radical Reformers. How should we respond, they wrote to Luther, with these people who are committed to finding their Christianity in their words and their actions rather than in the words and promises of Christ in Scripture? Now, after politely ribbing them a little bit for writing to him, the great heretic, instead of writing to the Pope for an answer, Luther wrote them this. In the first place, I hear and see that such rebaptism is undertaken by some in order to spite the Pope and to be free of any taint of the Antichrist. In the same way, the foes of the sacrament want to believe only in bread and wine in opposition to the Pope, thinking thereby really to overthrow the papacy. It is indeed a shaky foundation on which they can build nothing good. On that basis, we would have have to disown the whole of Scripture and the office of the ministry, which, of course, we have received from the papacy. We would also have to make a new Bible. Furthermore, we would have to disown the Old Testament so that we would be under no obligation to the unbelieving Jews. And why the daily use of gold and goods that have been used by bad people, papists, Turks, and heretics, this too should be surrendered if they are not to have anything good from evil persons to say nothing of drinking Bud Light, shopping at Target, or visiting Disney World. The problem, according to Luther, is not what Rome had. The problem was what was missing. There's a love affair going on in Quebec and throughout Canada right now with Buddhism. Everybody wants to be Buddhist, and Buddhism is a perfectly okay religion to be. You walk into the dollar store, Bodala, Majipri, even in the old city of Montreal, and every store seems to have little statues of Gontana Buddha that you can put on your home altar or coffee table and have around your house. Celebrities that would be absolutely horrified to find out that a friend was Christian are perfectly okay if they come out and say, I'm a Buddhist. Now, there's a lot of good in Buddhism. What you may know of Buddhism, you probably learned from Star Wars, because the Jedi Order was patterned, in some sense, off the teachings of the Buddha. Attachment leads to suffering. One should be aware of the present and not lost in the past or the future. Individualism leads to possessions that ought to be shared and not hoarded. And one should strive for moral restraint in life, not hurting others through one's actions. We have a problem with any of those? I don't think so. In fact, all of those teachings can be found in both the Old and the New Testament, in the Law of Moses and in the Sermon on the Mount. So the problem, you see, is not the moral teachings of Buddha. The problem is what is missing. In Romans chapter 9, Paul approaches the question of the people of God who are still clinging to what we would call now the old ways, the Mosaic covenant, the temple rituals, and the priesthood, and all the different sacrificial rites. 
They're looking at the Christians and especially Paul and his new churches in the Mediterranean who seem to have thrown out all of that stuff and are wondering what was the point? Why did God give all of these rituals and liturgy to Moses if we're just going to throw them all away? Paul responds by writing, to the Israelites belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. Like Buddhists, and like those two priests who wrote to Luther, the problem is not what the Jews had, or what the Buddhists have, or what the papacy has. The problem is what is missing. And what is missing? The most important thing of all. The very thing that in Paul's words causes him great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart because the Jews, his fellow Jews, do not have it. It's so important that Paul wishes that he were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of his brothers because they don't have it. What is missing is the gospel. What is missing is the good news. The Anabaptists, you see, thought Christians should act like Christians. Nothing wrong with that. We would all very much so like Christians to act like Christians and, in fact, passed a whole bunch of resolutions that are seated in convention urging Christians to do exactly that. But how should that be accomplished? Through emphasizing the to-do list of what you ought to do and not ought to do? No. According to Jesus, we must be born again. We must be remade from the outside. There must be a good news that is given to us that changes our hearts and not just what our hands and feet and mouths do. There needs to be a gospel, a good news, and that good news is that God in Christ has reconciled you and I to himself, not counting our sins against us, not waiting for us to act first, not waiting for us to run to him, but God sends his son in the flesh, descended from David and from Isaac and Abraham to save you and me from our sins, to deliver us and to give us that deliverance as a gift by grace, undeserved, overflowing into our lives from the scriptures. This is the good news that changes people, that changed Paul, that took Paul as somebody who religiously, and I use that word intentionally, kept all of the rituals of Moses but could not find peace, could not find a sense that God was pleased with him and certainly did not feel like God's son. All of that changed when he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and realized that Jesus was the one thing missing. The promise that is there in every page of scripture that God will deliver his people himself, that he will shepherd his people himself, that he would be willing to die on a cross for you and for me, Paul suddenly realizes is his and is true. It was the one thing missing in all of the ritual that Paul kept, the announcement 
that God has victory over sin, over death and the devil in the person and death and work of his son, Jesus Christ. Luther once compared all of the trappings of the Christian faith, the covenant, the law, the worship, our liturgy, the promises, the scriptures, even the office of the ministry to a manger in which is laid Christ. We don't worship the manger. The manger is a vehicle. It's a vessel. It's what holds the thing that really matters, who is Jesus and his cross and his resurrection. When we start to worship the manger, when the manger becomes more important than the thing that it holds, we are in danger of becoming like those two priests that wrote to Luther or becoming like the Buddhists who have the law, but do not have forgiveness and life and salvation or becoming like the Jews for whom Paul wishes he could become a curse that they might have the one thing missing, the one thing needful. The one thing worth giving everything else up for, which is Christ and his gifts. Near the end of our synod convention, and I was kind of sad that it was at the very end. I think if it had been at the beginning, it might have been very, very impactful. We had um, Grammy-nominated rapping artist Flame come and talk to us about how it is that he became a confessional Lutheran. He had been part of a movement called Young, Restless, and Reformed, an attempt to recapture Calvinism within American evangelicalism. And he loved it at first because there was a commitment to the scriptures and a commitment to following Jesus. But what he found in his Christian life is that everything was about him, his actions, his behavior, his worship. Was he doing enough for God? Was he loving his neighbor enough? Was he confessing his sins enough? And then he discovered the catechism and he discovered Luther's truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is essential to Christianity. And suddenly it was almost as if scales fell from its eyes and he realized what was the one thing missing in his Christian life. And it was the grace of God, the righteousness of God as a gift in Jesus. Everything changed for him in that moment. And in fact, his new book that's out from Concordia Publishing House has the Latin title extra nos, means outside of ourselves. It means that God has acted first to change us from the outside. So we might be different on the inside. Flame basically reflected that great Lutheran hymn, which I conclude with, one thing's needful. One thing's needful, Lord, this treasure, teach me highly to regard. All else, though it first give pleasure, is a yoke that presses hard. Beneath it, the heart is still fretting and striving, no true lasting happiness ever deriving. This one thing is needful, all others are vain. I count all but loss that I, Christ, may obtain. Amen.